Welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We believe that God is awakening a generation to revival, and we hope that this podcast encourages you to know that you are loved and that God wants to do extraordinary things for and through you. Welcome to the family. If you have your Bible tonight, you can be turning to Matthew chapter 2, starting verse 1. I want to say it's good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Good to see you at Haven. It's a big deal that you're here. If you're a visitor, it's especially good to see you. <clears throat> We're honored that you decide to experience Jesus with us. Uh, several of our um, of our college attendees are in the house and are back on Christmas break. Can we give them a round of applause? Amen. Matthew chapter 2, be turning there. I want to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, if you're looking for a Christmas gift for somebody, Youth Haven hoodies or crews would be a good, a good selection for you, right? So, um, so those are on sale out there, and, uh, and so pick up one for somebody. Also tonight, make sure that you don't leave without, without a, a cookie. So we brought some Christmas cookies in for you. And uh, make sure you uh, hang out a little bit when the Lord um, allows us to um, to vacate the altars. Uh, hang out for a little bit and let's um, break some bread and sugar bread together. Matthew chapter 2, did you find it? <clears throat> you found it, say amen. amen. Every week we turn to this book, <clears throat> The Bread of Life. We believe that it is from, from start to finish, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We believe that this is the word of God. We esteem it, not the book itself, not the paper in the book, but the word of God, the revealed word of God. To you and to me. And it's important tonight that you develop a hunger for the word. <clears throat> it's good to listen to sermons and it's good to listen to worship and it's good to find yourself in, in places where you can get along with the Lord uh, with, with those components. But if you want to maintain spiritual mileage in your life and you want to see real change be established, then it's going, to, it's going to come through reading this book. And as you begin to read it, you begin to become transformed by it. You begin to become more like the God of this book. And so as Jessica said, it's not enough. It's not enough for us to, um, to read a devotional on Instagram and then we post it and say, Thank you, Jesus. I needed that. I needed that today. That was so good. That blessed my soul. You'll never survive off of that. You'll never survive off of that. And the scripture was never intended for us to take it as little snippets, as little, as little Instagram posts that we, can, that we can put out there. And sometimes it's to make people, we convince people that we're holy. And sometimes it's because it really did speak to us. I'm trying to tell you that if you want, if you want what's speaking to you to change you, ask God for a hunger. And so, 
the the people of God have always been students of the scriptures. It's been part of the discipleship process all the way back to the Jews. In fact, a unique characteristic of Judaism was the significance of the scriptures. <clears throat> so read more than the Christmas story this week. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, you have permission at this time to take the shelter in at your elbow. Just drive that right in that hip area. Have a great week. Matthew chapter 2, the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men, say wise men, from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Say, Where is he? Say, where is the king? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. I want to speak to us on this thought tonight. Where's the king? Write that down. Where's the king? pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this season <clears throat> when all people are looking to the birth story. We thank you for the promise to us that's been fulfilled, that you would come. And God, we celebrate Lord, that you're going to come again. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we invite you in this space, and we ask you to reveal this word to us. Make it come alive in our hearts. Cause us to be doers of this word and not hearers only. Speak to us. Help us, Lord, to dethrone self and establish you as the king in our hearts. <clears throat> Wise men asking the question to a king, oddly enough, where is the king? The Bible says that these wise men came from the east. <clears throat> we don't know a whole lot about them, except that they came from the east and they're referred to as magi or magi. Some have translated as magicians. <clears throat> And these wise men saw a sign. They saw a star, what we call a star. And something within them said, we've got to get from where we are to where he is. And there's some significance in this because the wise men weren't Jews. They weren't Hebrew. 
They were, most historians agree, were Medes. And we see them referenced all the way back in the book of Daniel. Wise men who knew that there was a shift in the atmosphere. Wise men who were looking for a king to come from Jerusalem. Wise men who were looking for a king, but yet were not a part of the Hebrew story. And the Bible says that Daniel was made the advisor over the Magi. And you remember that Daniel was taken captive in Babylon. And so we know that the Magi existed in Babylon, one of the great empires in the earth. And they were of great position, and they would interpret dreams. And you'll remember in the story from Daniel, we spent some time there earlier this year, a lot of time there earlier this year, that when the king wanted his dreams interpreted, he said the Magi can't interpret it. But Daniel could. Remember that. But the Magi continue to show up, not just in the Babylonian Empire, but they show up in the Medo-Persian Empire and in the Greek Empire and in the Roman Empire, which were the four great empires of the age. They keep showing up as wise men who had a, 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 a weird, strange religion that was crazy close to the Hebrews. And so I think it, 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 it's worth asking the question, how did they know? And I think the answer is obvious at this point from what I've already told you. Daniel told them. Daniel told them. And you'll remember that Daniel led three revivals in Babylon. Taken captive in Babylon, he leads three revivals. And the Magi loved him. It wasn't the Magi that had him sent to the lion's den. And you'll remember even the king, Nebuchadnezzar, had said to Daniel, your God will deliver you. I don't expect you to get eaten. Why? Because Daniel walked with such glory that God would operate in him and through him in such a way that, that even the king was convinced that his God, the God of Daniel, was going to show up on his behalf. And so these wise men, these Medians from Persia make a long journey, several months journey. They were really late to the party. Except the only people that beat them were the shepherds. And the wise men came from the east for several months. All they knew that the king had come king had come, and it wasn't the Persian king, but it was a king of the Jews. It's really, really interesting, and I just want to throw in here that, that the wise men had a, a were rooted in a, a belief system that had a, a priestly line. 
who would sacrifice animals in a temple. A lot like the Jews, who also had the Levites, who would conduct the the sacrifices in the temple. And the Magi were, were of the priestly line of these mediums. It's also interesting to note that the Magi had a strange interest in fire. And it was an element of what they would worship. And if you read into Zoroastrianism, you'll find that the Magi would become steeped in Zoroastrianism, which has fire at its center. And the reason why I mention that is because I just think it's interesting to note that it probably wasn't a star at all. But it was probably a, a flame of fire that sat over Bethlehem, Judah. And I would say that because throughout Scripture, we see the glory of God showing up time and time and time and time and time again as bright fire. From Moses to the Mount of Transfiguration to, the, to Paul's conversion, we see the bright glory of God coming to a place as a bright light, often a flame of fire. And so the Magi who have an interest, who are these astrologers, right, have an interest in this this fire see i would submit to you a fire a sign that sat over where the king was coming and so i want to point to you what the sign means and so the sign always points to something bigger than itself do you understand that the glory of god always points to something bigger than the glory of god and that is jesus himself and so often when we come into a house like this the glory of god shows up and i don't know about you but i want to be close to where the glory of God is. Wherever the glory of God is, let me be there. And so I love to come to Haven because here at Haven, often we see the glory of God show up. And I'm not saying that because it sounds good and it's a good selling point, but I can take you back one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, and five weeks in a row, we can testify of the glory of God showing up in this house to a point to where instantaneous healings are happening in here. And the healings aren't the thing that we worship. That's a sign. That's the glory of God that points to the God. And so we don't seek healing. We don't seek miracles, but we recognize that they are a sign pointing to the glorious one. And so that's good news for you because if you came in the house tonight in need of a miracle in your body or in a situation, the glory of God is here. The glory of God's going to show up in this place. It's already settled in this place. And wherever the glory of God is, I want to be there. And the wise men said, I want to be where the glory of God is. Men who weren't Jews, it's so strange. Yet we look even at the writings of Herodotus. And the historians begin to, 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 to tell us about the expectation of a king to come out of Bethlehem, out of Jerusalem. We look at the writings of Josephus, and one thing is clear. 
the secular world and the religious world had begun to expect that a king was due to arrive. And so let me read to you Suetonius. He says, there had spread there had spread over all the Orient, this is a Roman historian, there had spread over all the Orient an old and established belief, this is a quote, that it was fated at the time for men, at the time for men coming from Judea to rule the world. Tacitus, another famous Roman historian, says there was a firm persuasion that at this very time, the East was to grow powerful and rulers coming from Judea were to acquire a universal empire. And Josephus says at the time that they believed that somebody from their own in Judea, somebody from uh, one of their own, was going, God was going to exalt. What am I saying? There was an expectation that the Messiah was coming The Magi were looking. There was something within them that began to look up to the skies. And on some evening, there appeared to them a sign. And they said one to another. We don't know how many they were. We don't know know, uh, how many they told. I know we like to say that there were three, but we don't really know any of those things. We just know that they agreed, this is it. This is what we've been expecting. This is what Daniel had told us about. And they took the word of Daniel. And they begin to make their journey. Why does it matter? I'm just telling you. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what your gut is telling you. I don't know what, how you predict the signs of the times. But I have in my gut an expectation that Jesus is going to make his return soon. Hallelujah. There's an expectation that the time, the fullness of time is coming. And the Lord Jesus is going to return once again. For his church. Hallelujah. Everybody didn't see it. We know that. But the men from the east did. All because of Daniel. Who was in bondage. Who had to wonder. What good is going to come. From my time here. And how does this fit into your plan God. And looking back, remember we, we said that, Jessica said that all of the Bible is connected. And so we look back at Daniel, and we can see the fruit of the seed that he planted all those years ago under Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus. And we see the first fruit of the Gentiles because of Daniel. We see the first Gentiles coming to worship at the feet of Jesus because of Daniel. Make no mistake, friend, wherever life has you, you may not be able to figure out why God has you where he has you now, but you can trust that he is the author and he is the finisher and his word does not return void. And you can trust that he is God and that he is good. And if he's got you in a place that might be uncomfortable, I would say to you, just keep on, keep it on. Keep trusting in his word. Keep trusting in the promise of his word because 
fruit is coming in this life or the next. Whether you see it tomorrow or, or you see it next week or you see it in your children. Fruit is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wise men. Magi. From the east. And they come to the king. And they ask the king. Where is he? Where's. Herod's like hold up. Uh, where's who? And they're like the king. And he's, he's like. <coughs> dancing a little bit or readjusting his robe no doubt. Maybe his crown. The king. Do you want me to reiterate for you how you should address me? King Herod. And they're like, nah, bruh. We're talking about the real king. We're talking about the real king. It's a magi from the east had enough sense to know that the man that they were looking at was not the real king. They had enough sense to know that the man that they were talking to was an illegitimate ruler. Although he called himself the king of the Jews, he was not a Jew. He had taken that position over three, the course of three years of war. And he was an excellent commander, an excellent general, and did a lot of good things in the region for which he had won his governorship. But make no mistake, his rule was illegitimate and the Jews hated him. And so when they asked, when they asked where's the king, he was all kinds of upset and angry. We're talking about the man who had, who had all of his sons killed, the man who had ten wives who makes King Henry VIII look like a saint. Do you hear me? Who had entire people groups executed at the fear of losing his reign. I want you to understand that when the enemy begins to respond to you or your family or begins to come after you in some kind of, in some kind of hateful way, you better know you're making him nervous. You better know that he's beginning to understand that his rule is illegitimate in your family. And don't be intimidated. The Bible says that the Jews with with King Herod, King Herod was troubled and the Jews with him. And when you call out the enemy who has, who has posed himself as the king in your home or in your life, and you begin to point out that he's an illegitimate ruler, he becomes troubled. You hear me? He becomes troubled and all chaos breaks loose. Where's the king? Wise men coming from the east. Where's the king? Herod knew where the king was. He tells the magi, I want to know where he's at too so I can go worship him. You find out. He started doing all these calculations. You know the story. When did the sign appear to you? He calls in all the priests. I told you last week who reminded him, oh, yeah, we know where the king's at. He's in Bethlehem. We've been knowing that for the last 700 years. That's been prophesied. We know those scriptures. He's in Bethlehem.
I want to ask you tonight, where's the king? Well, he's the king of my heart. He's in my heart. The wise men didn't stay in King Herod's court because that's not where the king was. They made their journey to Bethlehem where the king was. Where the presence of the Lord was. That's where the king was. And that's not a problem to go where the king is if you recognize him as the king. But if you're the king, if you know better, I know what I want. I know my trains and aspirations, and I know my talents and my abilities, and I know what's best for me. I know. And so I'm just going to go with my heart on this one. I, Jesus is in my heart. He is the king of my heart. We sang that tonight, and I sang it, and I meant it. I did. I promise I meant it when I sang it. Let the king of my heart. A king doesn't come to advise. He comes to rule. Where's the king? How do I know if he's the king of my heart? Who's ruling? And that's where you find the answer. Well, he's definitely the king of my heart because I'm proud to announce tonight that he is the soul. He's the soul roar of my life, and I love him for it. I love him for being the ruler of my life and my heart. Here's how you tell. God always sends a prophet to the king. Good kings, bad kings, he always sent a prophet. What does the prophet carry? The prophet carries the spirit of God and the word of God. And he comes to kings in the spirit of God with the word of God. And how you respond to the Spirit of God and the Word of God reveals who's king. The Word comes to Herod, where's the king? And Herod is troubled. God sends a prophet to King Herod. You've read of John. Who comes to Herod? I don't know how to turn this off. Do you hear that? That's the updates because Nancy Pelosi and those people are all up to stuff. And it's like, you know, and I don't know how to turn it off because I got an iPad for Christmas last year, actually, Toby. And, and now I don't know what to do with it. But So the Bible says this. Look at this. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias his brother Philip's wife because he was sleeping with his 
brother, Philip's wife, his sister-in-law. And that's an unlawful act, and it's certainly an unlawful act if you're claiming to be a Jew. Because John had been saying to him, here's the prophet that God sent. It is not lawful for you to have her. The Bible says, and though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. What do you do when the word comes to your heart? Herod tried to hide the word. Had the word and the spirit of God put in a prison because he didn't want to deal with it. Didn't want, I know better. I know better. I know better than the prophet. I've been, I've been hanging around a lot of Christian people a lot of my life. And I know the scriptures too. And if the Lord wants to reveal that to me, he can. Why does he need to use John? I'll wait for the Lord to reveal that to me. I don't like what they're saying in the pulpit at that church. I think I'll go to a different church. And I'll wait for Holy Spirit to reveal that to me. Do you not understand that the Lord has put people over you as pastors so that the Bible says your soul might be saved from hell? Why? Because they come with the voice of God. And when they speak the word of God, we can establish who's king and where the king is based on your response to the word. You can turn a deaf ear to it. You can hide the word in the basement somewhere if you like. You can try to silence the man of God or the word of God if you like, but it doesn't, it doesn't change his word. It's not for you to judge the word, friend. The word judges you. I don't know about that. There's a lot of different versions of the Bible. And there's a lot of different people who interpret the Bible in a lot of different ways. And so I just will, I just don't know. I don't know about that part. I like that he's good. And I like that he's the king of my heart. If he's not king, he can't be Lord, friend. Look at this. Jeremiah 36, verse 21 says, The king sent Yehudi to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama, the secretary. And Yehudi read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. And it was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, and there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. And as Yehudi read three or four columns, listen to this, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. You know how to tell where the king is? How you respond to the word? When you reject the word, it's a good indication that you're the king. When you 
only accept portions of the word, it's a good indication that you're still king. Yehudi, the Bible says, selected portions and cut them out and burned them in the fire. Well, that's what I'm talking about. There's a lot of different interpretations of scriptures. And, and so I don't know. I don't know what the Lord, the Lord really, how he really, you know, there's the Old Testament and there's New Testament and there's those things don't apply a lot of those things. They don't apply to me anymore. You're right. Like you don't have to bury your manure in the ground anymore, right? We've advanced. Like a lot of the, the civil laws is no longer applicable. So you don't have to worry about, you, you probably should flush the toilet. And if you try to, well, unless you live in California, because they've recently passed a law allowing you to defecate on the ground, on the sidewalk. But if you do that around here, you're going to be charged for multiple offenses because it's a, it's a threat to the public and, and there's just good reason to not, to not do that. Yeah, but see, there in the Old Testament, there's, there's uh, the lambs and the turtle doves and that they sacrifice them and, uh, and uh, we don't do that. You're right. The ceremonial law also has been revoked because there was one sacrifice and there was one lamb talking about the lamb of God who satisfied the judgment and the wrath of God upon himself. But make no mistake, friend, the moral law still applies to you and it applies to me. And make no mistake, friend, when I'm judged, I will be judged according to this book and not my opinion of the book. And don't, don't look now, but the word declares that if you decide to take, to, take from or add to, there's a great deal of, of, of curses that will come your way. Who's the king? Where's he at? Where's the king? Where's the king? Tonight, <clears throat> Revelations 22 and 19. Go ahead and take a look. God doesn't just show up to evil men like Herod. We want that, right? Get them, God. Let your wrath be poured out upon their souls and their lives, and may they burn in the lake of fire. Hell dwellers. <laughs> he also comes to good king. Comes to David. He always sends his prophets. Friend. The Bible says that Nathan began to lay a case. <clears throat> David was so upset, the Bible says, that his anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man has done this, deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing, because he had no pity. And Nathan responds with an unsettling word from God to David, and he says, David... You are that man. You're that man. And David is crushed. And this is the difference right here between Herod and between David. 
David is crushed. He begins to repent. He says, God, take the kingdom. You can have it all. Just don't take your presence. And he wrote a song. Sometimes we sing it. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, is that funny? I think it's pretty good. If you know it, sing it with me. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, you don't know that song. And restore a right spirit within me. You don't know that? Psalm 51. A song to the Lord for David. God loved David so much. He calls his own son the son of David. From the root of Jesse. Why? Because David knew where the king was. Where's the king? How do you respond when the Holy Spirit comes to you? How do you respond when the word shows up to you? Do you make excuses? Do you begin to, to go into some sort, of, uh, uh, some sort of explanation and trying to explain away why the scriptures don't, uh, don't apply to you and how you're exempt and how they maybe fit other people but not you? Where's the king? Where's the king? So we see that Herod rejects the idea of a king in Bethlehem. Not just Herod. The religious establishment does as well. But they should have known. They should have known because their own prophets, their own prophets and their own kings were rejected before they were accepted. Every single person in the Old Testament sent to rule Israel came twice. But the first time they were rejected. Joseph, Moses, David. Joseph's brother rejected him the first time. But when famine came to the land, 
starving. They sought Joseph out and embraced him. Moses was rejected by his own people. If you'll remember, they said, who made you ruler over over us? But he would come again and he's embraced and accepted. And David had to go live with the Philistines. And it wasn't until they returned, he returned that they would accept him as king. I think another interesting point is that every one of them, when they were rejected, they went and lived among the Gentiles. Moses goes among the Midianites. Joseph lives among the Egyptians. And David the Philistines. What am I saying? It's a, it, was a, it was a clear picture. Everyone sent to rule over was first rejected, and the Jews should have known this. They should have seen this. They didn't, what they didn't know is that he was, this was the first arrival. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming again. Matthew 23. And 39, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones, those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as hens gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's coming again. And do you know that one of the prophetic signs of his coming will be a revival among the Jews? And do you know right now that there is a revival among the Jewish people? And they are being saved even in this moment by the thousands on a weekly basis. More Jews today have been saved than in, the, in their entire history apart from the birth of the church. Did you hear me? More Jews are now saved today than have been saved in the entire history of the Hebrew people. I'm talking about more Jews are confessing Christ now by the thousands on a weekly basis. That could never be said at any other time in history, but it's being said now. Why? Because the time is coming soon. (laughs) Jesus, our King, is coming again. Is He your King? Where's the King? They asked Herod. Where's the King? His glory has shown up here week after week after week. And yet that's not enough for many. 
Oh, you come and you show up and it feels good and you see it and you experience, you experience it. But I'm not, I'm not asking about, I'm not asking about a, uh, how you're doing in church attendance and I'm not asking about how you're doing and carrying into the, the momentum of what God is doing here. I'm asking you personally, where's the king? Where's the king? Is he Lord of your life? How are you responding to his word? How are you responding to the people that God has placed in your life to bring you his word? And what pieces of his word are you trying to cut out? Thanks for checking out the Haven Youth Church podcast. If this message encouraged you, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and even consider sharing this podcast. Reach out to us on social media at Haven Youth Church. Break the flow, be the change.